0: Until like two months ago, I would own like a hundred dollar track or not track phones, but just Motorola or something like that. Free phones from AT and T. You're such a frontiersman I just got an iPhone like a month ago, so hooking <laughs> 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 up that's, a phone to my. That's track. why he
1: hasn't listened to the podcast because he no. hasn't only had, he's only had a smartphone for five minutes. Well, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, we are excited because we've got uh, a special interview today with uh, a guy at our church that everybody knows because everybody sees him every single Sunday. Um, come rain or shine, he's there. And uh, and so we get to interview Caden Harmon today. Caden, glad that you could hang out with us. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So Caden is a SFA student uh, here. He him and his whole family are actually members here of Calvary Baptist Church, and uh, they're all musically gifted. I think everyone except for, I mean, I guess your mom is kind of, right? Even though she keeps wanting to extend her musical abilities to Cajon, and we keep deterring that as much as we possibly can.
0: No, she'll get mad at me for saying this, but she played in a violin group at SFA for a little while. So Shut up! She, uh, <laughs> she played violin for a little while. She can pull it out and practice up and play with us if she wanted to.
1: Now, do you say violin? You really mean fiddle, right? I mean, we're let's get to the roots of East Texas here. We need less violinists and more fiddlers.
0: Yeah, it depends on where you're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we need some play more at the fiddle. college. It better be violin. Play anywhere else, <laughs> it probably should be fiddle.
1: But you guys all know Caden. Caden is our church pianist, and he's been doing it for how many years now? Uh, five years now, I believe. A little over five years. Five years, and we are thrilled. He was actually he started when he was at Regents Academy. He still is a student there. But um he did better than me, so you know, it's, it's what
0: it takes. But how long have you been playing piano? Since I was four. Okay. I started four to six, my grandmother taught me, and then when I was six I started at SFA. Okay. Golly,
1: I couldn't imagine like learning an instrument that early. I mean, I think I the only skill I had at four was picking my nose and eating it. Like that's <laughs> the only skill I had. And here you are, like, oh, I started playing piano. <laughs> okay, savant. Like no. that's
0: I don't remember too much of it. I, I can remember some stuff from like probably about seven years old practicing, but not anything before it. So,
1: <laughs> like, well, I like learned the, something. I the just wanted what twinkle, twinkle little star. Like, yeah, 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 basically. I'm pretty sure that if you set my kid down, it's just one big long blues scale. Like, because I feel like blues scale gives you the freedom to kind of do whatever you want. And like, you don't actually have to know what you're doing. You'd be like, oh, check out this bluesy riff. Yeah, that's how I would play piano. It's because you and I do like the bare minimum to learn music. Literally. I get in trouble but by we're Nathan. We're in the room with actual musicians. Yeah. I get in trouble by Nathan all the time because he'll be like, if you would practice, I'd be like, sorry, Nathan, <laughs> but uh, it is my own fault. It's not anyone else's fault. If I would practice more, I could be better at music, but then that would take away from other things like, you know, sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually there the best. That's my, that's my best gift and hobby is sitting down. Yeah. Well, you um, are, Pastor. You only work one day a week. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> only work one day a week. Uh, so today's Coffee for Coffee Hour, we've got a, um, a blend from Messengers out of Kansas City. And we just talked about it. It's a Brazil, Guatemalan, and what was the other? Brazil, Peru, and Colombia. Oh, I was way off. So Brazil, Peru, and Colombia. This is actually Travis's least favorite of all the coffees we've had recently. I think it's pretty good. Definitely Is, a step up from Folgers. Oh, well, yeah. But
2: compared to the other ones we've been drinking. It's a oh, little, yeah. It's no Ethiopian. It's, it's a little, little dark for my
1: taste. Yeah. I did notice that there was an oil coming out of a bean. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, we don't ever see the oils coming out of the bean and what we brew here. but It's a little chemical-y. I don't think
2: so. You don't think so? What do you no. think, Caden? I know this isn't like your forte, but.
0: Right. I don't know. I mean, I just tasted it. It tastes good to me. So. Okay. Compared to folders, that's Folgers, about all I can tune into to that like conversation.
1: Like, like compared to let's say SFA cafeteria uh, coffee, definitely better. Okay, cool. Well, then we've accomplished exactly what we needed to accomplish. Um, but we we brought Caden in to interview because uh, this Sunday, March 27th. So we're gonna uh, air this podcast tomorrow. Um, so this Sunday, March 27th, is our Sanctity of Life Sunday here at Calvary. Um, and Caden has been a big part of that for a few years now, uh, with a role that he has at SFA and a role that he has on an even more state level with an organization called Texas right for life. And we're going to talk about that a little bit with him here in a moment. Uh, but part of what we want to do is Caden, we just want people to get to know you a little bit, uh, get to know kind of what you love to do, kind of what your passions are. Um, so Gonna jump right into it. I mean, you're a uh, a knack rat, for lack of a better
0: term, right? Right. I mean, were you born in knack, born and raised, or technically, I mean, I was born in Houston because I was seven weeks early, but after okay. a, a week or so there, a couple of weeks there, I was back in knack. So. so
1: we have we have the preemie thing together, right? So right, we're, right. we're both preemie. I was five weeks early. Okay. I think five or six. I don't know. There's just you lose track after so many years, but. Preemie uh, babies are the best babies, I'm just saying. I mean, none of my kids are preemies, and they're crazy. <laughs> so so you're pretty much born in Houston but raised in NAC, right? Right. Like in Nacogdoches, or, I mean, you guys live out in Douglas right now.
0: Right, right, right in between Douglas and Cushing. Um, Technically, I've never lived inside Nacogdoches as far as city limits goes. That's but cool. Um, you're not a NAC rat then. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Isn't that
1: the qualifications, Travis? Like you have to like – I don't know if NAC rat is – City or county? I don't know. I've been in the county my whole life. Not, we keep not the extending city, though. the borders of this. I thought in your other podcast we said that you're a Nacrat, and you're like, no, yeah. We, there's like, no, a we talked about the difference
2: between a bin, the born and Nac. Yeah. So you're not a bin. Neither am uh, I. But yeah. I am a NAC rat. But yeah. I don't know if that counts for just city limits or Nac county. I would I mean, think the county. I would it's think still Nacodosa. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna see why not. Like you could be like on just this side of the Angelina River. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you just like live behind that liquor store right over right before the bridge I don't know why they have a thousand of those right before the bridge
2: because Lufkin mm-hmm. was a dry county well like, for put Angelina a, like, so they put, they put, put all the liquor stores on our side and all the people in Angelina would drive to NAC right as right. soon as they crossed the river they could buy alcohol Well, that's, that's why one, they're there well that mm-hmm.
1: one that's all run down like that spot that's all run down now can't we like put a park there or something like something neat <sighs> anyway yeah, that'd we be need nice. more parks just to FYI, wow. if you're in Nacogdoches and you don't go to our church and you're listening to this, we need more parks. I mean, there's a rare chance that you're actually listening to it, but um, <laughs> we need more more parks. Um, so, pretty much for the we're going to say for lack of, of better understanding, born and raised in Nacogdoches been here. So you went to Regents Academy. Did you start there and then just kind of grow up through that? Or did you do public school for a little bit and then went to private school?
0: I was actually homeschooled till sixth grade. Oh, um, fantastic. So we, we were homeschooled, my sisters and I both till sixth grade, and then started at Regents sixth grade, graduated from Regents and went to SFA. Look at that.
1: So you're doing SFA right now. What is your degree and
0: what's your major? Major right now is piano performance for undergrad do you have like a minor that you also are pursuing, or no? Music majors at SFA aren't allowed to minor because of the workload. You're not allowed to. Like, oh, they, not an option. Like, like that doesn't make any sense. Why? It's the workload. It's the same with nursing majors. Nursing majors and music majors aren't allowed to minor. They have to focus on their major.
1: So you have to do your major in a concentration. You can't be like, you know what? I really like political science too, so I'm going to take poli sci classes. Right? You think the school no. would take as much of your money
0: as possible? <laughs> yeah. No. I don't. I mean, I mean you can take them as electives, so yeah. you could but you just won't get the piece of paper. Uh, that's dumb. They won't stop you from taking the class, but they're not gonna give you the minor and degree.
1: That's not fair.
0: You should at least be able to get a minor.
2: So okay. what exactly do you wanna do with this degree?
0: With this degree, so piano performance is a probably the most common degree. To get or just a performance degree is the most common to get as an undergrad. Like I, d- I don't see myself performing full time in any way, really. Um, so I'm probably as a master's student, I'm either going to go for collaborative piano or, or what I'm leaning towards now, piano pedagogy, which is just teaching piano. Collaborative. I'm piano. glad you explained
1: that because I was about to have to ask what yeah. that meant. <laughs> yeah, what's a pedagogy? Because <laughs> my my brain went somewhere else, and that was not where it went. Uh, did old, not go to teaching area. piano. <clears throat> they, you think they would find a better term for that nowadays, with all the petas out there.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. To to make it, this is, just so you kind of are aware, Cade, and we're pretty off the cuff with this, so this is not going to be formal by any stretch. Absolutely um, nothing of this nothing conversation of is this planned. Conversation is planned, <laughs> uh, or formal. Um, well, people
2: seem to enjoy it. Yeah, we've had a lot of good feedback from people who listen. So.
1: That's true. They seem to just enjoy the banter, the witty, the witty banter. Yeah, Nathan's our most favorite witty banter. and actually, Nathan is in this room. We want you guys to know that. Currently shaking his head yeah, at giving us, giving us a bunch of side eyes, and so we tried to give him a microphone, and he uh, adamantly denied that. So, um, but so when I met you, I knew that you were doing piano, but then in having conversations with you you were very involved in the political sphere of our local and state and, and kind of, kind of country politics. And to me, that was something I was like, man, I didn't realize like how smart you were as it came to all those things. I was like, Oh cool. Like he plays piano and he's in high school. So, you know, he's probably just a regular old high school kid that also, you know, has to play piano. Um, <laughs> But then I start hearing you talk about stuff that you're passionate about, and like, oh my gosh, like this guy's got some knowledge when it comes to these things. And so, tell uh, what what got you started in in like politics, like what what got you started in like learning about politics and kind of being involved in that.
0: I just think I've always been interested in it. Um, I think Regents in my education there kind of pushed me in that way a little bit, just because we talked about everything from a biblical perspective, whether, you know, math, science, or politics. And so doing my politics classes there, government classes there, like from a Christian perspective and writing certain articles and papers about it, like it just got me more interested. And um, I mean, I've gotten involved in politics to some extent. I, I mainly focus on, on the pro-life part of it. Um, but that's kind of what started me off. I just got more and more interested. I've always been kind of naturally interested in it. So,
2: Did it start specifically with the pro-life stuff or was it a more broad interest in politics?
0: I mean, being in Texas and growing up the way I did, I've always had the, you know, pro-gun bumper stickers and all that stuff. So I <laughs> guess for the most part, I guess it probably started out with that kind of stuff, you know. Um, just, uh, yeah, probably hunting stuff and, and gun stuff. But You're right to the Second Amendment, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of got involved probably next with free speech stuff, seeing a lot of stuff that was getting censored and talking about that through high school. And um, so that I became interested in that. Um, and then probably after that is when I moved full blown into the pro-life stuff.
1: So when you were at Regents, cause I know that Regents, you know, we, we love Dr. Atwood and we loved the, just the, the classical approach that Regents takes to education as well as the, the Christian uh, tone that they provide for students there but undoubtedly you probably had certain students that disagreed with a lot of your positions on some things so how did how did regents handle that like when you guys got into lively debate about things would they just like would a teacher just sit back and just let it
0: roll or was it pretty much regents was very good about encouraging debate um i mean we would have whole classes where whether it was informal or we had a lot of formal debates too and the teacher would just sit back they would tune in if we were getting off track Um, or starting to just differ from, you know, good (laughs) reasoning and kind of leaning towards insults. But for the most part, it's at least in my class, I mean, I only graduated with eight people and we were real close. So we really didn't disagree on all that much, especially when it came to, to politics stuff. Um, so I I didn't have much experience in having to, having to deal with that.
1: I couldn't imagine what it would be like if you had to do the same type of class at like Nacogdoches high school
0: right now. It'd be interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, you say interesting. I say wet my pants because that's what I would probably be doing would just be out of fear and terror, uh, stumbling over words and I don't know. I'm used to doing it with college
0: kids now, so (laughs) (laughs)
1: let's, let's get into that a little bit because one of the things you mentioned is you got kind of more into the, uh, pro-life part of politics and, um. So much so that you um, started volunteering in a position, I guess as a volunteer role, right? For Texas Right, right to Life. Is it Texas Right to Life?
0: Right to Life. Yeah. Um, yes, I was. So I have a friend in, um, that was at SFA at the time that Texas Right to Life was looking for. It's technically a scholarship um, position. Um, and they have people at different colleges. And mm-hmm. basically, the only way you can get this position is if you will run... And get a leadership position at your college campus. Like there's a certain amount of hours you have to fulfill every semester, um, leading a group. So that's kind of how I got started. And that was recommended for the position. And I had to interview and all that stuff. So it's
1: not just like a volunteer, but you get you get scholarship for being a part of this as a leader. Is that correct?
0: I get scholarship um, per semester for being. Uh, for working for them. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, but you're not the only organizer of this, right? Like how many people are on the team that you have there at SFA?
0: Right now I've got three officers and some club members. Okay. Um, we had more before COVID shut campus down for a year and a half. Uh, and during that time, a lot of students got disconnected and left and another handful, like four or five graduated. So when we came back after COVID and I found myself president, there was, <laughs> it was, it was rebuilding time, big time. And we're still rebuilding.
1: Oh man. So, so
0: now you've been thrown into the role of pack leader. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good. I mean, I, it's what I wanted to do and I, I volunteer for the position. So
2: so for the people that know nothing about the organization, what all do y'all do?
0: Yeah. So we're lumberjacks for life um, at SFA. We try to provide pregnant and parenting scholarships, to students. Um, now we have requirements. We have to go through interviews and all this. So um, I won't say it's hard to get, but I mean, we, we thoroughly check on whoever we're, we're talking to about it. Um, so we try to give those every, every semester. That's part of what our banquet's going to be raising funds for. Um, we do a lot of tabling events. So we talk a lot about different issues. We do bioethics. Um, So that would be like the 10-day rule. We talk about the 10-day rule a lot. Of course, we focus on abortion, but we offer resources. We partner a lot with Heartbeat Pregnancy Center here in town to offer um, those resources to them. And we'll do different events. I led a group uh, right before spring break to Shreveport. We did a a day of prayer at the Shreveport Abortion Clinic there. Um, So different events like that, anything that we can get involved in um, to build a culture of life on campus and to let people know that we exist. That's what's kind of our thing right now. A lot of people that I've come into contact with in recent weeks, they're like, well, if I'd known you existed you know, two months ago, I would have loved to have been supporting you during this. So we're trying to get our name out, um, kind of rebuild the group, but that's a lot of what we focus on on campus.
1: Yeah, I feel like you're going to get a good pool of people, especially here in Nacogdoches, that agree with a lot of your position on that. But well, you know, kind of one of the things that we first talked about, I think, when you brought up this topic about a year ago, uh, we were striking up a conversation on it. You talked about a lot of the pushback you guys get, and so what's interesting to me though is, from what I hear you saying, your your organization offers scholarships. We to, do to moms right that are pregnant and in school, and either they're going to be single moms or dad's going to stay in the picture. But you, I mean, you're providing an opportunity right. for them to continue education. And we will we'll provide, going on.
0: right? And we'll provide. We gave a scholarship last semester to the to the father, actually. Um, now the f- requirements for the father are a lot more. Like oh, they've got to be yeah. have made a commitment to her and to the child, and is going to be supporting them through it and and all this. Um, and of course, same academic requirements, um, working hard in school, and have a good record, and all that. Man, so I think
2: that's so good that you guys do that because you know one of the, I guess arguments that you hear from the pro-choice side is like well you don't care until like you only care before they're born you don't care after they're born but right. it's like no, no no i'm trying to provide a long-term mm-hmm. you know it, sustained
1: relationship that's it, helpful in multiple ways the right. unique thing about pro-choice is when the mom chooses to have a baby you're coming alongside her choice and you're saying that sounds great like let's help you with that right as much as we can and i think that's a piece that people neglect and don't understand about a lot of what the church even does, like the, the church ourselves, our desire is to come alongside moms and help them during that process. We don't wanna we don't want them to feel like they're not able to be, you know, how God has designed them to be in a mom. You know, whatever choice led up to that, you know, we we could talk about that if we wanted to. But reality is how do we deal with the present circumstance and how do we help you grow and move forward in relationship with Jesus through that? And so I think even as the church, we have I think we have a lot of learning even as churches to do as it comes to that issue but it's interesting to see how your organization still partners with the parents right and partners with the family and you're promoting family um but i guess that's also one of those things that's fluid now family's fluid gender's fluid um water's fluid everything's fluid now so talk a little bit about some of that pushback you guys get like because I know you said you do tabling on campus.
0: We do. Um, we always set up outside. For Compared to other organizations, or I guess on other college campuses, we don't get a whole lot of the more violent pushback. Um, a lot of what we face is just kind of complacency. Uh, people just won't get involved. In fact, a lot of times when I'm on campus, I'll have 10, 12 people pass by or more, and I get the thumbs up and the... And the smile, actually, a guy stopped at the table, last tabling event, and uh, we talked forever. And, I mean, he could articulate his pro-life beliefs beautifully. Like, he was better than I could probably stand there. I mean, he was just, he was gifted speaker and very, very pro-life, and we had a great conversation, and then I tried to get him involved, you know, try to just get his number for a group or something, and he, he would not do it. He he apologized, no, I'm sorry, but I'm not, and he left, kind of left it at that. Wow. And that's a lot of what we face. Um I mean, when we set up something like the Cemetery of the Innocents, when we put the crosses on the ground as a memorial, um, we'll have people come up. A girl jumped over and kicked a few over and stole a few crosses, threw them in the dumpster stuff. Um, and, of course, I can't – I, as a guy, will not approach her and mm-hmm. confront her about that. If one of the girls on my team would like to talk to her about it, then I will let them do that peacefully. But – a lot of what they're trying to do, and if you look real carefully, one of them's videoing from somewhere because they want to post that video as pro-life guy attacks this yeah. uh, woman trying to, you know, voice her opinion. Um, so I'll step back then. Of course, if a guy does it, then I'll, I'll approach him. Um, so it's just, depending on the types of pushback, um, it warrants different approaches. But
1: Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting piece because you, I think what we see a lot, especially in social media worlds, is that, Um, you see the, the violent aspect of, of kind of peaceful, I don't want to say demonstrations, but just informational, informational tabling that you see across college campuses, especially in the United States. And you just see like this constant bickering back and forth. And that's the only piece they want you to see. Right. Like the only thing they want you to see is the constant bickering that takes place back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's just a point where if somebody doesn't want to hear you, they're just not going to hear you. Right. And you have to just choose that road of saying, hey, listen, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this issue. But even still, I've noticed you can't do that in America anymore. You can't agree to disagree anymore. You either have to agree or you're nothing. So
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of students who approach our table, they, they come in with that viewpoint because that's kind of what they're being fed. Yeah, um, I talked to two guys last week that both, they were very standoffish when they first approached a table and they just kind of wanted to, tell me that they were against what I was doing, but really nothing else. But as long as I approached them and, and I say right from the beginning, Hey, just so you understand, I'm not attacking you. You know, we're just having conversations here. One of those guys stuck around for 45 minutes and when he left, I didn't change his mind, but we didn't stand there yelling at each other. And a lot of people that stopped by our table are so surprised that that's how we are because media and other things tell them that we're going to just be yelling at them the whole time or something like that. You don't have okay. a sign that says Turner Burn. Right, right, okay. right, for sure. And they, uh, <laughs> it, you can see the surprise on some of their faces that I'll stand there and talk with them for 20 plus minutes without, you know, getting all mad. And
1: tell you what, I'll show up with a Turner Burn sign and I'll stand close to you guys, and that way you can go, yeah, that guy's an idiot. We're not, we're not <laughs> with that guy. And so that way I'll take all the negative attention, and you can actually have. There you Good go. Conversation.
0: I actually, I actually had a group there that I could do that with the last time. So.
1: <laughs> Obviously, we—if uh, you've been around SFA campus much, you know what group we're talking about there. But um,
0: <laughs> full force that day. Full force. Tw- Twenty people. We
1: are not oh, with gosh. them. Uh-huh. We are not with them. No, we don't. We don't agree with that stance, um, or that approach. But it's interesting how I find that even among college kids, there's so much misinformation out there that I think either they are taught to believe, or it's just kind of that, I don't know, I guess it could be that culture that they're growing up in, that is that's pushing like a certain, just one agenda and just one kind of thought train. How do you handle that? I mean, you've got now, cause one of the things Travis and I talk about all the time, are, is this idea and this rise of Gen Zers that really have, a lot of them have no real concern whatsoever for anything moral or spiritual or any of those realms they're just they're just they feel like they're just kind of here there's a kid running upstairs as we're talking (laughs) right now so i I hear this oh anyway sorry we won't edit that out just so you all know um but how do you deal with with the people that that's like they've been their whole thought train they've grown up in that you know their parents have taught them that their school system has taught them that they're well, in the current education system, unless you go to
2: somewhere that does a more classical approach, like there's no classes on how to think critically anymore. Right. So even having a conversation about like, hey, we can disagree at the start of this conversation and see like where our disagreement begins and ends. But like, I don't know, kind of piggybacking off of that, I've been trying to think of how to formulate this question, but I feel like there's a difference when you're talking to somebody, like and you're actually trying to have a conversation about an issue rather than like a formal debate. Right. Of like, let me come up with a logical argument that's like, if A, then B. Right, right. But sure. that doesn't always work with just having a conversation about somebody. So how do you go about those conversations? Like,
0: Yeah, I try to be, so all through high school, I did lots of debates and I love debates. I mean, that was one of my favorite things to do. I love that setting, that f- like formality of the structure of the argument and all that. So, depending on who I talk to on campus, if I find out pretty quick that they like that structure, and it's pretty easy to tell just by how because they're gonna they're gonna rebut my arguments in some way, and I kind of base my approach off of their first rebuttal. Um, if they have a very laid out if a then b type structure, then I'll just go with that and have fun with it because that's what I like. Um, but if they have a very informal, just kind of almost yell back at me type. I usually start with, I just tell something about the group. I ask, you know, why do you believe the way that you do? I try to get a little bit of info from them that I can build on. But then sometimes I may just throw in random stuff. Um, yeah, I may ask them what their major is, where they're from, something like that, something to break the ice. Because most of the time when they feel like, okay, he's interested enough that he's just going to sit here and talk with me, then they'll kind of change how they're acting towards the argument too. Um
2: yeah, they feel seen as a person, not just an idea.
0: Right, and they feel safe standing there talking about it. Um, even if they're you know, on the more liberal side or pro-choice side, you know, there's, they feel like they're going to be attacked just like conservatives on campus feel like they're going to be attacked. So as long as I show that I'm going to sit there and talk to them, most of the time, almost every time, they'll come down to be real easy to talk to. Um,
1: yeah, and I've noticed that and even on different like evangelical things that we've done with college kids in the past where you kind of walk in feeling like it's going to be a certain perception, and then by the time you're over, you're like, okay, that went way different than I expected it to go. But it's sad that we also, even college kids, have to be in attack mode all the time. It's like we never leave uh, fight or flight. It's like we're just constantly in that part of our brain where we are just looking for reasons or ways or happenings. And, um, I think that's the hard part about being a college kid right now. I remember, I mean, when I was in college, we didn't have to deal with that. There wasn't this idea of fight or flight. We, we, we lived in the same dorm with guys that we completely disagreed with lifestyles, but it was like, Hey, we're here. I mean, if you, if you're, if you're just having a bad day and you need just someone to talk to, I'll talk to you, man. I'm, And so to me, it's just interesting how quickly we've shifted to this mode of, well, if you disagree with me, you must be blank, blank or blank. Like you, you fall into one of these categories and um, so it it doesn't give you kind of like what you talked about at the beginning. It doesn't give you the idea or the, the, the ability to have free thought, you know, it's, it's a conformity issue.
0: Right. And that, I mean, I think that correlates a lot just, I mean, our culture now is a culture of not thinking you know we talked about people don't think about how to structure arguments or something but we just don't we don't think a lot in general mm-hmm. um the culture today is take whatever you can find from wherever you can find it and just have a response um mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of people we had a guy again just last week that stopped by the table and um completely I mean he told us right off I'm completely pro-choice I disagree with everything you're doing and we started asking him why you know Forty minutes later, he ended up signing our petition and left the table. I mean, he just <laughs> he couldn't, and everything we were saying. He's, like, I've never thought about it like that before. I mean, that's completely makes sense. And I mean, we we put like five, six points. We just kept going to everything we were talking about. I mean, he was just, no, I completely understand that. I've never thought about it before. And so, by the time he left, he was, I actually think I've been wrong about this, and he signed the petition. Oh wow! Uh, but he just never thought about it, and yeah. that's that's where a lot of students are in.
1: Well, I think that's that that speaks too to how quickly just the ability to think critically and have a decent conversation, how quickly someone's mind can change on a topic because they're just like, huh. But you have to also be open to that. I mean, right. obviously that guy was open to a thought, like a conversation that, that promoted uh, education and thought. And so a lot of people, they they've closed themselves off so tight. And I think it's the same in, in even like church life. I think that there's times where we see people that have closed themselves off so much, And so, anytime you say new or survey or anything like that, they're like, (gasps) we got to find another church, you know? And uh, because they can't open up to even new concepts or new ideas. So, I don't think it's anything that's, I wouldn't say that that idea is anything that's new per se. I mean, we see that even in the New Testament. The Pharisees are like, "Ah,
2: you can't heal on the Sabbath. You (laughs) can't heal. How dare
1: (laughs) you? You touched grain. I can't believe you would do such a thing. So, um, there's nothing new under the sun yeah literally nothing new right but right. it's just the topics are different yeah topics are different so so yeah i don't that would be a tough one for me because I, I mean
2: that's encouraging though because i think we have the stereotype of like no one's changing their mind everybody's so locked in it's like yeah no no we literally talked to a guy last week
1: who changed his mind in less than an hour of talking right but i think so. it's also like you're saying i think a lot of it is to the approach oh yeah i think there's there's a negative approach to it, like we just talked about. There's groups that meet on campus that approach evangelism in a way that is super confrontational um, and very um, shame, guilt-driven and isolating. And then there's like what you're talking about. There's conversations you can have with people that they go, "Huh, you're actually giving me a platform to talk about what I believe in." Right. Yeah. Yeah. We want to hear. We want to hear you. Like, we want to know why you believe what you believe and how you believe what you believe and the importance of that. And to me, I think that that's an approach that all of us really should take in that because that's the approach I think where we, not everyone's going to transform their thinking or their mind. We know that, but at least we can step back with a sense of decency to say, okay, this is this, I I did the best I could uh, on that. So.
0: Right. And I think a lot of people, whenever you think Sanctity of Life or you see our group Lumberjacks for Life, it, you immediately go to abortion. And like we focus, of course, we focus a lot on abortion, but we focus on like end of life issues as well. And um, a lot of people, even the pro-choice people, whenever you start talking about end of life issues, from my experience, at least half of those usually agree with me on most of the end of life issues. And then I try to bring it back around, like we're still talking about this is still the same sanctity of life. So when you talk about end-of-life issues, give us a little bit of what you mean by that. We talk a little bit about euthanasia. Um, we, the 10-day rule is something that we fight the most. Um, just to elaborate a little on the 10-day rule, it was passed in 99 as it was kind of hidden in the uh, Directives Act for Texas. And basically, just quick overview, is that a hospital can— If you have a loved one that is on life-sustaining treatment, such as a ventilator in the hospital, the hospital can tell you that in 10 days, they are going to remove the life-sustaining treatment. During that 10 days, you have the ability to try to find another hospital that will take that patient in, even though they know the circumstances, so most of them aren't willing to do so. After the end of that 10 days, if you haven't found a hospital that can take your patient, then the hospital has every legal right to remove that treatment despite your wishes Wow! or the patient's wishes. Um, so it's been around now, it's in 99, so 23 years about, um, and it's kind of hidden. Even now it's hidden. And so a lot of people aren't really aware with, about it. But when I bring up that and I bring up stories, um, of people that Texas right to life, that our lawyers have been able to, to fight the system and, and, um, save some lives through that, um, They're just, they're not really aware of it. But most pro choicers agree, like they'll look at that and go, man, we need to do a little something about that. Yeah. Which opens up, well, why? Yeah. Because their life is valuable. Well, let's, and then we just keep going. Yeah. So,
1: well, and I think that's an interesting part because one of the things that we don't really see a lot about, especially when it comes to a person's life that does continue to stream in media. We see a lot of it in the Northwest. You see a lot of it on the West Coast. But that is that idea of a person's choice for euthanasia if there is something terminal or there is something. I remember, I remember reading stories about this years ago where people were able to take uh, drugs that would slowly uh, allow them to pass away peacefully uh, because they may have cancer and they just don't want to fight it. They don't want to deal with it. And um there's a lot of issues I think that when it comes to that I think that we have to begin to address and say is that something we want to permit you know if there's something out there that could save someone's life but I think there's I mean I could go a little bit further into that, but I think there's also a, a medical care system that is completely broken right and and that needs to be addressed at some point in life too but. Um, that's not neither here nor there. Um, but I think that's a good thing too, for our people to understand that you're not just trying to say, well, we think if, if a woman gets pregnant, she should keep the baby. You're also saying, well, how do we address these issues of life? How do we address these things? I mean, does each person's life matter or does it not matter? I mean, do they have purpose? They don't have purpose. So I think those are some good, some good thoughts too, for our people. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's inter- it's an interesting topic because there's so much that you could talk about on it. I mean, I don't want to exhaust like every bit of knowledge you have, but let's talk. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about Texas Right for Life then. So it is an organization. Is it a government organization or is it just a kind of a
0: loosely tied in? It's a nonprofit um, just established in Texas. So it's not, we're not funded by the state. Um, we work real closely with leaders and state government, um, like we did on the, the recent heartbeat bill. Um, we we worked real closely with Senator Brian Hughes on that and got that passed. So they, they are real big in college ministry. They're the ones that get all these groups started. I mean, we got lumberjacks for life, but we got a group at AM and pretty much every college in Texas is what our goal is. Um, I and we've got a, a lot of groups at most of the big schools. Um, So they do that, but they they do a lot of of working in the politics realm. They do a lot of training Mm -hmm. for college students to enable them to be able to work in the pro-life movement. And then they offer a whole lot of legal assistance. Um, We have some really, really, really amazing lawyers uh, that work for Texas Right to Life, and they will if a family is facing the 10-day rule or something of that sort, we get a lot of calls about that, and our team will go and help them fight that uh, to try to save save their life in that way. Um, so they do a lot of what we're doing just on a, a statewide scale. It's
1: on a bigger scale. So they kind of can work as lobbyists, too, for certain things to for kind sure. of help get some things passed or to get some stop some things from being passed. Um, and I think those are important parts of politics, too. But you're... We, Sorry. Sorry, go for it.
2: You're saying this isn't like college exclusive, though, right? So, like, if someone's listening and they have a family or they're retired or whatever, like, it's not just
0: something that college students could be a part of. No, no, they, uh, they can people can volunteer um, in different areas. Uh, most of their efforts are directed towards college students. Um, there's a so they call it a fellowship for undergrad students. That's what I'm a part of. But then they have a fellowship for master students if you're going into law because they want to train they want to raise up pro-life lawyers that can help us in all these legal matters and getting stuff overturned and, and one there. But no, you can definitely, there's a lot of ways to get involved, volunteer at events, um, all that kind of stuff.
1: So Texas is, I mean, we understand Texas is a fairly conservative state in, in most realms. But recently we were talking about the Texas right for life stuff. And you were saying that y'all's like emails got hacked or something, right? Like your whole,
0: like your whole internet web like database got hacked at one point. It did. Yeah. We, a lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff that we got at Texas right to life came from outside of Texas um, because people saw, and this is true that the heartbeat bill is directly attacking Roe v. Wade and Roe v. Wade could very well be overturned by June. And that's what we're looking at. And everybody knew that. And so the Texas heartbeat act didn't just, they didn't feel like it just attacked pro-choicers in Texas like this was an attack on pro-choicers everywhere so a lot of the hacking that we got we actually got two bomb threats where we had to um, the whole building had to be evacuated in in Houston um that's awesome I mean both uh, yeah both <laughs> it's of like them. a CSI movie it's yeah like,
1: okay let's go down the stairwell
0: it was interesting I mean we got the video and everything you know brown unmarked box lands at the doorstep or is delivered to the doorstep and there's um, a note that says ha 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 ha, ha. well we we would get the note, I think on both cases, they got the note like an hour before and said it's arriving or something like that. Both of them ended up not being anything. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, threatening phone calls and voicemails, but um, so yeah, there was definitely, as soon as that went so into effect, it, it picked up big time.
1: That's so interesting to me because it's like you, it's like you don't even have that. Like we talked about from the beginning, the freedom of speech anymore. You don't have the ability for for free thought cuz if somebody disagrees with what you say, well, oh, let's just send a brown box, you know, taped up all suspicious to their headquarters and we'll we'll get rid of them real quick. Okay. I don't know, it's just it's it's interesting to me how we as a country have deteriorated so much that when we don't get our way, we pick up our toys and we go somewhere else cuz we don't want to deal with it. Right. Yeah, you know, we just don't want to deal with it. And I think that that. Anyway, that was really to me that was an interesting story when we were talking about it. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Like, nah. Here's here's Caden Harmon, his email for Texas Right for Life getting hacked. He didn't do
0: anything. He just. Uh, I mean, just being a part of the organization. They sent out something to all the, all the students that work for them. We don't think any of y'all's info's been compromised, but you know, just just keep an eye out. And thankfully, I don't think any of it was. Um We never. We were able to recover it fairly fast. The Texas Right to Life store that we had just launched—that uh, I was really excited about—got shut down for quite a while, but it's it's now up and running again. So, yeah, it was, so you it was can crazy. actually
1: go online, and you can. There's a store where you can purchase things that go directly to help the organization.
0: Yes, you can go on there and purchase bumper stickers, shirts, apparel, um, different stuff like that. That's cool. But our website, we very active in posting news articles about recent events that correspond to the pro-life movement in some way. Um, So there's lots of good news on the website too. Lots of good articles. Yeah.
1: So you got a banquet coming up on Friday, right? I do. So we know that people out here listening, most of them hopefully have already signed up for that uh, and gotten plugged in on that. But for those who aren't going to be able to attend, what are some of the hot topics that you're going to be talking about this Friday at the banquet?
0: We are, so this is going to be our fundraising banquet. Our speaker is Mr. James Stewart, he has a very powerful testimony, um, having gone through an abortion or his girlfriend had an abortion um, when they were in college. And a lot of times in the pro-life movement, most of the times we hear stories about that happening. We hear it from the woman's perspective. And a lot of times the woman goes through it alone, so it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very powerful to hear it from his perspective and to hear the guy's perspective because a lot of times that kind of gets pushed away. Um, and that's another thing in our group that we try to do is we care about the guys, too, um, because the guys are told they don't have any opinion on the matter. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole other. It is very interesting that that whole argument. Um, but so on Friday, he'll be given his personal testimony. Um, I'll be given a little bit of an update on what we've been doing and how Lumberjacks for Life started. Um what what our mission is um, for people that have not heard of us before at the banquet. Um, then we'll just be hearing his his story, his testimony, kind of a call to action is basically what the banquet's going to be cool. uh, to try to get people involved, not just financially, but we're going to have cards for people to, they can pledge to pray for us throughout the semester, uh, sign up for a newsletter. I'm going to have a newsletter started up hopefully by the end of this semester to be able to send out monthly probably. Um, just... So that's kind of what we're aiming for. So get people involved.
1: Yeah, biggest thing is just getting people involved, getting attention, and right. And, okay, cool. So
2: if someone missed your announcement on Realm or on Sunday, like, and they're like, "Oh, that's on Friday." Like, is it too late for someone to get a ticket or a table, or how how's that work for someone?
0: I probably can't do a table at this point, but I can do single tickets to an extent, um, as long as I know by Thursday.
2: And those are thirty five apiece.
1: Thirty
0: five apiece. Yeah.
1: Unless you're late bloomer, and then you're gonna be like. Forty-five. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, um, but to me, it's just a, super interesting that we have these things that are going on in our church, and we, I think, for us, we don't want to silence those things. We want people to be able to um, be able to believe in the things that they know to be true, and we as Christians, we know life is given to us by God. That he is the he is the giver of life, the creator of life, the author of life. And it's our responsibility to do the best we can to take care of that life. And sometimes people don't know that they have that. And so we as Christians have to be advocates for people to understand there's purpose in life and there's more to it than what you're being told. And uh, I I think that's a good thing. I think what you're doing, Caden, is such a noble cause. And I really appreciate you taking time out to talk with us today on it. Um,
0: Any other final thoughts you want to give before we start wrapping up? I don't think so. I, I I think a lot of what we talk to to churches and to Christian individuals because you're right here in the community in Nacogdoches and surrounding areas. I mean, we're in the Bible Belt, right? I mean, yeah. this is a conservative area, and even you know people that aren't believers, it's a generally pro-life population. Right. Um, I've got some club members that aren't believers, but they're super pro-life. Yeah. Um, but a lot of what I try to tell churches and Abby Johnson, um, famous pro-life speaker said something, she posted something a little while back and she said, if we could just get everybody to put one action behind every prayer that they pray on behalf of the pro-life movement, like we could do so much. And I think a lot of people just don't believe that they can make a difference Mm -hmm. by stepping out and doing it. And we appreciate the prayers and all that. Um, and praying about it is certainly where we need to start, uh, no doubt, but we've got to act at some point. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about that Sunday a little bit, um, talking a little bit through the Book of Esther, and um, cool. how Esther, you know, told her maids and everything to to pray for her. But at a certain point, she packed up and went to see the king. Yeah, with a really dangerous circumstance that could possibly happen, right? Um, going yeah. in there, so there's a time where we've got to we've got to pack up in in march um so that's that's kind of what we're trying to do here
1: that's cool so there's caden's call to action for anyone who's listening i mean uh and i think that's good for all of us yeah i'm even more excited about sunday now (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's going to be good so uh so yeah for those of you out there listening don't forget that there's still a chance if you want to as an individual get signed up for the banquet you can contact caden um, if you don't know a way to get a hold of him, call us up here at the office. We'll get you in touch with him. Uh, and then don't forget too, Sanctity of Life Sunday. This Sunday, we're going to be talking about a lot of these things, um, but really looking at it from a biblical perspective of how we as Christians can jump in and, and be a part of this. And so, uh, again, Caden, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Honor to have you. And if you want more information about how you can be a part of Not only Texas Right to Life, but also the Lumberjacks for Life. Uh, Come find him on Sunday. I'm sure that he would love to give you some information on that. And next week, we'll have our podcast where Travis and I, I can't remember what we even talked about. Do you remember what we talked about last week? Sabbath. Sabbath. That's right. Because I didn't rest this week. So (laughs) uh, that's why I completely need to go back and listen to it. I know. I need to take a nap. Um, (laughs) But uh, we'll be releasing that one uh, this next week. So be looking for that too. But Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you guys have a joyous and blessed rest of the week.